the Buckners, ladies and gentlemen. The Buckners pulling all of you. I had zombies too. Yes, you did. Yes, you had zombies. But this is zombie redneck torture family. See, they're entirely separate species. It's like the difference between an elephant and an elephant seal. Hey yo, what's going on friends? Welcome back to what will undoubtedly be a very interesting episode of In Madness Pod. Once again, it's Sean the Butcher here with Vertebrae 33. How's it going, my friend? What's going on, Sean? It's going good. I got a new uh got a new seating setup over here. I'm sitting in a big old throne now while we record. It's fantastic. You, you self-built that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have I have an unsafe uh you know, leather chair on top of some platform that I made so I can be comfortable. If you've watched this on YouTube, you've watched Sean stand perfectly fine and me fidget for like hours on end. Uh, so now hopefully this cuts out the fidgeting. And uh, as long as I don't fall off this platform, we're good. I am very fidgety, but we were taking bets right before we started that uh, your chair is going to fall over at some point. So if it happens, we just know that we're keeping it in if that yes. happens. But I, but you're pretty handy around the house, so I think it's going to be pretty stable. We'll see. Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, just, I'm like I'm not going to move a lot. And yeah. anyone who's listening, oh, sorry, like I'm describing it, but in the stars in the in the enterprise. Yeah, you're, yeah, 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 hundred percent. You got the arm, you got the wide reach out. You look like yeah. all you need is some little light keypad next to you. Got to be comfortable. Maybe, yeah, I could wheel something over here. And am I Spock? Yeah. Spock's way too smart. I got to be. Uh, who's the dumbest member of the of the Star Trek Enterprise? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> not a I'm Star not Trek a, guy. You're no, a Star Wars not at guy. All. Yeah, yeah. You're a Star Trek. You'd much rather be Han Solo in that chair, right? Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna start beef already. We haven't even gotten to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um thank you for joining us for i guess episode 18 uh me and vertebrae were also talking about how we do ourselves a disservice with our numbering system because uh we've done way more episodes than 18 but in our own little world this is episode 18 we are on the socials at in madness pod we're on threads facebook twitter instagram in madness pod at gmail.com vertebrae i finally checked the email today and we have quite a few emails so i think when oh. we hit our when we hit our point five i'm definitely going to read some emails i have a note so i won't forget that and like you mentioned before we are on youtube we've been doing this show for a while and i had somebody go is the show on youtube and i'm like every time we start the show we say we're on youtube check yes. in madness pod on all the socials on youtube we are everywhere in madness monday the best day of the week which used to be the worst day of the week now dropping brand new episodes of In Madness every single Monday. Um, before we get into our movie and all that, uh, we recently, very recently, celebrated our birthdays in accordance to when this podcast is going to drop. Uh, I'll put it out there. I'm the 24th. You are the 27th. We are right there near each other. The Libra, Libra family in the house. Uh, right. we, went out, we went out to dinner. Uh, yeah, I, I love how the hibachi guy was fucking with you the entire time. It was <laughs> one of the best parts. He probably looked at this guy and was like, "This guy never leaves his house. Let's, it, let's mess with him." He, you, he was having such a blast with you. We took our yeah. very uh, one of our not our very first photo together, but a very recent photo of us because the last one we have, I think, was from five years ago at Comic Con. Yeah, um, took a, po a photo, posted it uh, at Id Madness Pod on the socials. Um, and thank you very much for the Godzilla book. Uh, I oh, appreciate awesome. the yeah, amazing. Sure thing. Yeah. 
yeah i got i got to get you something movie related and it was it was awesome you know uh thank you can i say thank you to your girlfriend for for setting it up and getting me out of the house and checking to make sure i'd be out of the house and uh it was awesome it was a great time i I met a lot of cool people there and a few people that listened to the podcast so we ended up having conversations about the podcast i did spoil this episode for a couple people you you did not you were you gave me you gave me a little bit of spice and i was like no 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 no, no, shut up no we'll talk about it we'll talk about it (laughs) that's Um, what happens you know when somebody's flinging broccoli at me you know i want to i want to start talking about movies catching it like a seal that was a good dinner we all had a good time (laughs) we were drinking sake by the gallon and uh i love hibachi it's one of my favorite things to do but uh if it was your birthday recently as well then uh, happy birthday to you um so uh as is customary every week on in madness pod would you like to introduce us to episode 18 that could be the most controversial episode we've done so far more so than lucy i don't i don't think so uh, maybe uh the cabin in the woods released uh april 2012 a science fiction horror comedy i would say right a mixed bag uh, directed by Drew Goddard in his directorial debut, uh, written by him and Josh Whedon, produced by Josh Whedon. Um, soundtrack by David Julian. I there is not a soundtrack on vinyl, so there needs to be. I do not have it because uh, <laughs> it does not exist. Okay. I knew you were going to ask. Okay. Um, G- Goddard was uh, was also the writer of Cloverfield, which I know that's a movie. You absolutely love. I mean, let's uh, do it. Let's do he was, it. He was later the executive producer and showrunner for Daredevil. Um, and then just recently in January, he was revealed as one of the James Gunn's assembled crew to kind of map out that overarching new story for the new DC universe, which includes a Swamp Thing movie. Which Ooh. I I have mentioned probably at least once a week since it was announced it would happen, uh, but we're waiting patiently. The cast for this, we're gonna run through the. Ca- I have a lot of lists for this episode, Sean. Okay, I'm just letting you know. In between you yelling at me, I have a lot of lists for this episode. Okay, all right. So we've got uh, Kristen Connolly as Dana Polk. She should we go through the desig? I mean, listen, we're spoiling this movie, right? Are we spoiling it right now? Yeah, go ahead, give the give the rundown. Right. Give the rundown. The movie spoils itself. Yes, uh, right away as almost well. immediately. Yeah, uh, as Dana Paul, college student, she's designated as the Virgin. Chris Hemsworth as Kurt Vaughn, a sociology major and football jock, designated as the athlete. Anna Hutchinson as Jules uh, Loudon, pre-med college student, Kurt's girlfriend, and she is the whore. Uh, Fran Kranz, uh, she's the college student who's designated as the fool, or as the fool, right? That's Marty. I said she, but that's Marty. Marty, our our, our hero, my guy. That's your guy. My guy. <laughs> See, right then and there, I think you should love this movie. 
I will get into it. We'll get into okay. it. All right. And we got Jesse Williams is holding. Uh, he's his football teammate, and he's the scholar. So we've got our five. Then Richard Jenkins, Jenkins as Gary Sitterson, uh, one of the technicians from the facility. Bradley Whitford as uh, Stephen Hadley, the, another technician. And those guys are awesome. Incredible. Um, and then there's a couple other random folks. And then we get to the big one, the director. Sure. Well, so, well, 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 yeah, let's, let's not let, let when we reveal that one. Yeah. We'll reveal, reveal that, that one at the reveal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I, I do, before we get into it, go ahead. I, go ahead. Uh, so they were they were they were sued uh and i always bring this stuff up because uh you know when you do the research you see it um there was a novel that came out um and it was uh kind of a genre commentary um and five friends head to an isolated cabin and are picked off one by one uh <laughs> the main character comes to realize that they're being watched by a third party. Um, and then at the end that their twist is they're actually taking part in a reality horror film. Okay. Right. Um, and the book ends with the movie's director explaining how each murder was faked and how the production was staged. So sounds a lot like this movie in some ways and not a lot like it. And the judge didn't think it was enough to do anything with it. So it didn't pan out, but I always have to, I have to be fair. I brought I brought it up before on our buddy James Cameron. Uh, and so I got to bring it up again. I, I would say influences on this movie, Friday the 13th, Evil Dead, Night of the Living Dead, Dead. Yeah. name it. It exists. Um, there was a novelization. You know, I love the movie novelizations. So Tim Lebon did it and... I think I might want to read it. It's got more details on a lot of the monsters and it goes into some more backstory on some other characters that we won't spoil everything. We'll, we'll get to it eventually. But um, I think that kind of sets it up. Although I I, I want to know, Sean, are, are you going to tell me what you think of the film? Okay. 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 So, so here we are episode 18 yeah. cabin in the woods, right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Everyone's been telling me I need to see this movie. And when I'm like, I haven't seen it, I get they get mad at me. Uh, was this your first time seeing this movie? It was not. Okay, so you've seen it before. I've seen it before. My question is, what made you change your mind during Killer Clowns <laughs> to flip this from we were going to do uh, Conjuring uh, full yes. inside baseball here? And in the middle of it, you flipped it on me. And instead of doing Conjuring, we decided Cabin in the Woods. Was there a moment during Killer Clowns that made you change your mind? Yeah, because I was like, he's going to make me talk about Killer Clowns for two hours. I'm going to make him talk. No, I'm just kidding. That's not the reason. That's not the reason. The reason is, is I thought, and I still do think, that this movie fits in perfectly with what we've been doing on this podcast. Okay. Right? You- because it it's a mix of horror. It's a mix of horror, sci-fi, uh, a, a quirky comedy uh, Lovecraftian stuff, um, kind of uh, the love of the of genre filmmaking, and and I thought it it fit in perfectly with what we had been doing, and we kind of led up to something like this. 
So, I mean, my thought going into it was you think it's one thing. I thought Cabin in the Woods, you see the post. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go see this horror movie. But then very quickly, it becomes apparent that this is not the movie uh, you're going to get. So Mm -hmm. because I didn't know, it really took me out of it. And I was immediately sort of disappointed. Okay. Um. not to say, I mean, I'm sure, I'll, I mean, I know I'll, for a fact a lot of people love this movie. And this was my first time viewing it, really paying deep attention to it. I know I've seen half of it before, then I know I've seen the full thing, but like half paying attention before. So I was like, all of these parts of this movie are familiar to me, but I really didn't know the story too well. Uh, seeing the story and the way that they did it, uh, the following notes dictate the thoughts in my head as this movie is happening and i'm trying to understand what is going on in this movie okay so that is going to be our journey through cabin in the woods for episode 18 of it madness pod okay so i i I do feel like i have my work cut out for me i i got you i gotta i gotta bring you into this film i mean i'm just a lot of it is me seeking understanding and kind of understanding on my way but maybe what i'm understanding might just be sean facts facts. nothing at all (laughs) as to what's actually happening in the movie uh they do uh they do play loose and fast with a lot of actual facts and um you know some of the world building as well so we we get into it but i would it change your mind if this was directed by bruce campbell I mean, would it make sense? Because that was their first choice for director. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that could be cool. That could be cool. Kind of fits into what they're they're wanting to do. Yeah. Um, It definitely has that evil dead link to it. I mean, that's the cabin in the woods. That's the first thing you think when when you Mm -hmm. said cabin as the teaser. I was like, Mm -hmm. "Uh, okay, maybe evil dead, maybe cabin in the woods. Um, But our movie starts with the credits, blood flowing, photos of human sacrifice, drawings of histories of gore, atrocities. You see this for about 20 seconds and then flash. Mm -hmm. Enjoy a cup of fresh coffee sign is on the wall. (laughs) We're introduced to our two workers. It's weird old balls guy from Billy Madison, uh, the evil nemesis, Eric. And -hmm. then we also have the dad from Step Brothers. Right. Uh, or, old Sid- ball- or Sitterson and Hadley. Yes, old like. balls guy is Hadley, and stepbrother's dad is Sitterson. Um, so I know <laughs> these to be comedy guys, and I'm like, okay, weird. I thought this was yeah. a horror movie, and immediately I got these comedy guys. They're talking right. about Who- the kids. Yep, what's up? And a very generic sort of like employees, even their shirts, just white shirts. Yep, uh, drinking lousy coffee from a machine. Talking about their kids, their wives, their women problems while getting coffee. Uh, and then it hits me. I'm like, okay, this is this is a comedy horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so the combo they're having is funny. It's about Hadley's wife screwing all the drawers closed to their kid uh, that hasn't been born, can't get into him. Uh, he also says it takes him 20 minutes to get a beer now. So even mm-hmm. in this movie, he's still a total dickhead, just like he was in Billy Madison. And, and so I, I would say right here, we already get a little bit of foreshadowing. Because we're talking about these childproof locks and feeling safe from something that's going to happen. And the ironic part, right, is we find out what his job is. And his job, a big part of his job, is keeping humans safe. 
and out of harm's way. And I think he just probably wants to, it's a crazy job. So I think he probably just wants to come home and unwind and grab a beer and not feel like he's got to go through all this rigmarole to do anything, just like he has to do at work. Is that his job? Cause I feel like it was the total opposite. We're going to have to discuss as this movie goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're approached by their uh, cute little assistant, Miss Lynn. She tells him Stockholm went South. Mm-hmm. The guys seem puzzled. They thought everything was looking good. They ask her what went wrong. And she says she hasn't seen the footage yet. The guys laugh at Stockholm, Sweden's failure. <laughs> and I thought uh, there's a lot of reference. This movie is chock full. We, we will not go into all of the little itty bitty gnarly bits um, because there's a lot of shots that allude to other movies in this. Um, and some are obvious. We don't need to go over them, but I do love right, right away. It's the Swedes and in the thing uh, we know that McCready, uh, you know, he referred to the Norwegians as the Swedes incorrectly. And I, I just can't help but think that they just chock full of so much stuff in here that that's already an early reference to the thing. I dig that. There's a lot of references and influences, and you would think mashing them all together would have me sold, but it just, mm-hmm. again, my 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 need to understand what's happening and my confusion about what's going on, I think probably add to me not loving it as much as everybody else loved this movie. Their assistant tells them uh, it's up to Japan and us. They mm-hmm. say it's not the first time Japan has a perfect record and that USA is number two. But if they fail, the guys tell her to relax. There hasn't been a glitch since 98. They know what they're doing. They ask if she's in the betting pool. There's big money this time. They also mentioned in 98, it was the chem department's fault. And that's where Miss Lynn works is in the chem department. Right. And my mind goes to what happened in 98. Yes. So I start looking around to see what horror movies came out in 98. Uh, and there was a movie called The Faculty. Uh, Josh Hartnett, right? Yeah, yeah. Josh that, Hartnett, where his eyes open or close in that movie. <laughs> and 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 that movie, I, I haven't seen it, but I was so I was trying to research it a little bit, and I think it doesn't go the way you would think um, the ending of that movie would go. So I also believe I wonder, T one thousand is in that movie as well. I think. Yeah, I wonder too. Like, um, I think Halloween H two O maybe came out that year too. I don't think they're referring to that, but um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know what happened in ninety eight either. The guys drive off in their golf cart. Hadley's annoyed. Everyone's so stressed. Citizen is sipping his coffee from the rim. He's like, "Do you want to come over help help me liberate my cabinets on Monday?" And Citizen doesn't answer. <laughs> Hadley goes. Are you even listening to me? Then everything stops. And then we hear this loud, horrifying scream. And across the screen, bright red, bold ass letters, the cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, what the hell is going on here? And what is happening in this movie? You open yeah, up. they're yeah. messing with us right away. And I think much like Barbarian did, you know, more recently, these there's these dramatic jumps and these dramatic cuts to this you know what we think we're going to get and then we get um two dudes drinking coffee talking about you know child proofing cabinets and then we get this cabin in the woods and um yeah it's interesting i wonder if it 
if it was just they were at the cabin and then all of this was revealed after the fact how you would feel how you would feel about it but um there's there's a lot to take in in this movie a lot of stuff we open up to the burbs we got our redhead dana dancing around the room in her undies she's an artist just like you vertebrae yeah i do that all the time i just dance what, around dance around in your I, undies what what do you, what do you think open is there windows is there our good or does she stink? <laughs> oh, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, we're we're getting cliches in this movie throughout. We do get some hard and fast explanations on why we do get cliches later on, which is pretty awesome. But this one right off the bat, it's like the open windows, uh, no screens in the windows, too. I'm thinking about bugs and you're just dancing around. And yeah, yeah. <sighs> Speaking of bugs, I just killed a mosquito. That's Gross. really crazy. That's the really you crazy. Said bug. The second you said bug, this fucker flew in front of my face. Don't hit me with the ASPCA. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to kill the mosquito. I don't want to get bit up. Kill it. Jeez. It's okay. I think you could kill mosquitoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like the, the flies. They're the lantern flies. They're invading uh, uh, the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, that was in plant, by the way. I just said yeah, that, that was weird. Screens on the that windows. Was weird. Then, sorry. But, sorry. See, see, this movie's getting better already. She's Here looking at, at this pic of the dude she drew, and up behind her comes the blonde, Jules. She goes, ugh, Professor Fuckwad. Mm-hmm. Put that picture up on the dartboard. Dana gets annoyed. She's like, it's not that simple. So clearly there's some X-rated relationship with her and her professor. Right, uh, and the newly minted blonde. Yes, she, so the girl... She the dyed girl, her hair, which is... The girls deep. freak out because Jules' hair is actually dyed blonde. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dana's like, oh, it looks great. The kids are going away for the weekend. Everyone's going to hook up, have sex, do drugs, everything that kids do in horror movies that get themselves killed. (laughs) Uh, And in walks Thor, Hemsworth, young Thor, short hair, Kurt. I think this came out the same year as Thor. That was it. No more cabin in the woods for Hemsworth. No, I think there was a delay or something in the production, and then it ended up coming out like the same time. So this is right before he became the god of thunder and lightning. Yes. He throws a football at Jules, his girlfriend. She lets the ball fly out the window. And then our other friend Holden shows up. He's going to join them for the weekend. The kids are heading to Kurt's cousin's house. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're packing up their trailer. Of course, there's a motorbike on the back of the trailer. Your stereotypical horror kids from every movie, the jock, the nice guy, the promiscuous chick, the timid shy girl, and right on cue pulls up stoner marty love it his car's baked out he's blasting hip-hop he's smoking in an enormous coffee cup bong everyone's mad because this criminal this deviant this absolute maniac is smoking marijuana <laughs> the atrocity being committed to mankind which which is his savior in a lot of ways which is you know makes mine powers happen yeah and 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 he arrives he's got that travel mug bong that they made that for real it cost five thousand dollars to make so i couldn't get you one for your birthday i apologize mm-hmm. it's five grand was a little much but i got my little sippy cup it's okay it's pretty pretty awesome he hops in the truck he asks for some food away the kids go the camera pans mm-hmm. to the roof of their apartment and we see a man with an earpiece who says the nest is empty we're right on time so in my notes i have so these are real kids right living their real life and this company these guys uh their work is watching these kids 
I think they probably picked a group of kids that kind of met what they needed to meet kind of yeah criteria right you know and then tweak the criteria because it doesn't really fit right so they kind of tweak it to get where they have to um this this cousin right it's a cousin's cabin either works for the company um or is in on it or in some way or you know they hijacked their phones and gave him bogus directions because, you know, his cousin would have never probably been in that cabin because he probably wouldn't have made it out alive. Right. I can't see them. I can't see if it's like every third Tuesday of the month, they kill people in it. And the rest of the time they rent it out to, you know, families and Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah. It's an Airbnb the rest of the time, but you know, every third Tuesday we murder a bunch of kids to save humanity. It's the purge. Yeah. The kids are driving in the middle of nowhere. They're lost. Stoner guys rolling a hundred joints, philosophizing on life and society and what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jewel shit. Yep. And he says something about the grid. Uh, and he talks about getting off of the grid, which is, and again, there's no way to talk about this movie without jumping ahead and back all over the place um but it's just ironic because they become trapped by a grid a grid uh yeah. jules says she misses his rants uh he's like you will come to see things my way we cut to a huge vault door opening up it's hadley and citizen they have to show their ids to a security guy inside this gigantic operations room they ask him what his name is daniel truman Mm-hmm. So immediately I'm thinking this has got to be a reference to the Truman show since essentially I'll get to it later. Yes. They, ask Truman, they ask Truman if he's ready for what's about to happen. He says he's prepped. They say that's not the same as being prepared. Uh, he says he's going to hold this post. Guys log into their systems. They lock on their satellites on the group of kids, pull their truck into this Texas chainsaw massacre style looking gas station. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks abandoned. Of course it's not. Out comes old grizzled creepy guy chewing yeah. a giant wad of tobacco. Mordecai, right? That's his name. Mordecai. Morty. Morty. They asked, uh, he asked the kids what they want gas and directions, looking for Tillerman Road, Kurt's cousin's house. He pumps their gas, tells them where it is since it's been there a long time. Uh, he's been there a long time since the war. Which war? Mm-hmm. You know, goddamn well, which war? Well, uh, Morty, Mordecai, we don't know which war. Um, and I wonder, is he referring to the war with humanity and the ancient ones? Or is he just talking about he's there since Vietnam? Yeah, or, or like a desert, desert storm. Yeah, something yeah. like that. I figured kind of that much. Yeah. I, I, thought- I, I, I don't know. It's hard to figure out his age because they weathered him so much. He looks really beat the hell up. Yeah, and and he's a a really interesting character. He plays a big role in this whole process. Um, and I'm not sure what he gets out of playing that role. I mean, he, he seems in- to love the bit. He seems he's- very dedicated to uh, the character. And I I can we can get into it later what I f- sort of feel is going on with him, but that'll reveal even more about the movie. So we can wait. 
He calls Jules a whore. The guys have a standoff. Holden stops everything. Grizzled guy tells him they got enough gas to get there, but getting back is what you need to be concerned about. <laughs> After a few more jabs back and forth, the kids go on their way. They're driving on a cliff, shining style. Ah, yes, Sean. I'm so happy you, you got that. Yeah, I was like, is he going to get this one? He'll get this one. That's why I'm here. <laughs> they go through a tunnel. On the other side of the tunnel, outside of the tunnel, we see an eagle flying, soaring through the air. Is it an eagle or a hawk? Hawk, eagle, soaring through the air. <laughs> Bird of prey. Which, I suppose, my friends, brings me to my milking, milking of the, the alpaca's moment. I was going to save it for the end, which is like the real milking of the alpaca's moment, but you can't wait till the end because this part right here kind of changes everything. Mm -hmm. This eagle soaring through the air, this hawk soaring through the air, out in the open, slams into an invisible grid. Mm-hmm which only becomes visible when it slams into it and basically explodes. The grid shines and sparks for a second like an electric fence and fades back into being invisible. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is going on in this movie? So these are real-life kids, right? Yeah. And they've just arrived into this world that has been set up by somebody else. Mm -hmm. So they pull up to their very evil, dead-style-looking cabin in the woods <laughs> you get it exactly holding goes to his room hanging on the wall is this big awesome painting of a bunch of people animals tearing apart what looks to be like a big white goat yeah totally this totally disturbing painting um yeah they've it. done that they've I done that a, a lot of oh yeah they should make that shirt and then just put big the cabin in the woods on the back like that's like the title screen um yeah, that uh, we we're gonna start getting into a lots of. Well, we hit it as soon as we met Mordecai. We we start to head down the horror film trope uh, path. So we get him, the creepy guy, the sort of warning character as they head out on their journey. I would say as Marty heads out on his hero's journey. I'll say, yep, yep. <clears throat> Uh, and 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 a per first part of a hero's journey often is is going into new spaces and and meeting weird characters, much like in Star Wars when they head, then they end up in the cantina, and there's all these characters that are there bringing my Star you Wars. You couldn't reference. wait to bring up Star Wars. Yeah, I got to get it into every single episode. Um, but that's you know big part of the hero's journey, and so we're we're headed on to it for Marty. Marty, I believe, is the hero of the film. Well, Holden's not having it. He doesn't want this big creepy ass painting on his wall, so he takes it off, and mm -hmm. he finds Dana staring back at him on the other side of the room. He freaks out. She doesn't because it's a two way mirror. Uh, in her room, she's looking at herself. And then she starts undressing. Holden has a conflict of interest, but like the gentleman he is slams on the wall to let Dana know what's up. They switch rooms. She goes mm -hmm. in his room, and right in front of the mirror, he starts taking his clothes off with his young shithead body and six-pack abs and no herniated discs, this bastard. <laughs> you know what, though, Sean? Like, all right, let's figure this out. How how far how far do you think they traveled to go to this? This is it's in one day, right? Two so hours. Two, three hours. far. 
they both got there and immediately needed they to just change start clothes. ripping it off. <laughs> like, well, they were going to the lake. They were going to the lake, I think they said. Right? Or was I, that later? I don't know. I, yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. I just I mean that's what like, that's what these kids do in the movies. They get there and everyone just starts getting naked. But he only had one bag with him. And he when he leaves the room, he just says that one duffel. How many clothes are in that duffel bag? It's like the killer clown's clown car or something. What's what else? There's a popcorn gun in there too. Cotton candy guns. <laughs> Dana grabs the painting, she puts it back on the wall, she puts a blanket over it, and then we zoom out. And we're watching Dana on a screen in the whole house. Cameras in every room up on screens and watching them are Hadley and Sitterson. Mm-hmm. Who goes, places everyone, we are live. Okay, so these are real life kids again. They are in someone else's scenario, just like the Truman Show, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this is Truman Show horror movie. That's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and with a big statement on other horror movies and uh, free will and choice and determinism, um, it, it touches on, on a lot of things. On the surface, you're just going to say they're addressing horror movie tropes and 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 messing with us in that way uh very tongue-in-cheek but uh if you dig a little deeper it starts to have you question other things as you go along hadley tells engineering that there has been a room change so they are tracking every one of these kids movements very closely uh in walks miss lynn from the chem department she has the kids blood work they monitor their levels and want to up the dosage to increase libido Hadley and Sitterson agree. She asks if they want to pipe it in or do it orally. Right. So they are fully in control of these kids' surroundings. Everything they they, they do. They are. I, I would say, though, that uh, just piping stuff in for them to breathe in or inhale is kind of a haphazard way of doing it because there's other people there that could also, right, they kind of, they have to guide people different ways so they do it at at different points um but they have other creative ways of doing that and we soon find out uh, other ways that they've been they've been uh affecting them lynn says guess how we're slowing down cognition with hair dye yes the one that jules used to dye her hair with in the beginning yes fantastic the drug works its way into the blood through the scalp gradually so they're not only in control of these kids surroundings but they are also the kids like they know everything they're doing they're in control of like everything yes uh miss lynn is proud of her chem department hadley is not impressed a call comes in the harbinger is online too <laughs> they want to take a message the guy on the phone's like he's really pushy so they begr- begrudgingly take the call from the harbinger who is our grizzled old gas station clerk from the war uh, annoyed they put him on speakerphone he starts uh, they start slick talking him mordecai what's up buddy <laughs> dramatically the harbingers like the lambs have passed through the gate they've come to the killing floor and the, the guys in the office like, yeah, great job. You started us off just right. Talk to you later. But Mordecai is all about his role. He continues on. Their blind eyes see nothing of the horrors to come. Their ears are stopped. They are God's fools. 
And Hadley says, that's how it works. Mm. Mordecai says, cleanse them, cleanse them, cleanse the world of their ignorance and sin. Bathe them in the crimson of, am I on speakerphone? (laughs) And then he stops being dramatic. Miss Lynn and Citizen are there laughing their ass off. Mordecai gets annoyed. He says, that's very rude. Hadley's like, all right, I'll take you off speakerphone, but still has him on speakerphone. So he continues. The ancient ones see everything. Again, they all start laughing. Mordecai gets pissed and hangs up. Mm. The kids all run and jump into the lake. I guess. Hey, hold on. Back up. Back up. Just uh, first of all, we get the official ancient ones reference, which is a clear reference to Lovecraft stories and what, what were the great old ones. Um, so they were, you know, that's where you'll get the Cthulhu mythos and all these creatures that are bigger than we can even comprehend who've existed longer than us. And they're eventually going to come back to take over. Um, so that's very clearly from, um, Lovecraft. Also in this, I start to question having seen it a few times in a row now, like the Harbinger Mordecai does he is he a follower of the ancient ones or is he another actor in this performance that um just sort of drops it when they put him on speakerphone right so he gets annoyed he drops it he kind of his voice changes a little or or is he a creation so we were worried about him living there and everything, and we're going to find out later on some of this other stuff. So is is he actually just a creation? I wouldn't doubt it. He fits. Mm-hmm. He he. I mean, or maybe they picked him since they the same way these kids fit their narrative. Maybe they picked him because they're like, oh, this is our guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, maybe he a hundred percent could be like like the werewolf or whatever. Right. So he he fits. <clears throat> That maybe they promised him, you know, eternal life or safety or whatever, you know. Maybe he was like the uh, boat guy from 30 Days of Night and they're Mm. like vampires and they're like, hook us up with some food and we'll take care of you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I like it. They all start laughing. Mordecai gets pissed. He hangs up the phone. The kids all run. They jump into the lake inside the control room. We see all the kids levels. They're being monitored. The big ass jar of money. Everyone's betting on the kids. Hadley says, did you see who they picked? They're practically giving their money away. Mm-hmm. Citizen goes, yeah, you should talk Aquaman. <laughs> and that Hadley- lake and dock scene is very Camp Crystal Lake. Very. 100%. Crystal. Hadley gets annoyed at the Aquaman comment. A man hands Citizen a piece of paper he looks at and goes, I don't even think we have one of these. And the guy says, zoology swears we do. Miss hmm. Lynn asks Truman, the security guard, if he's betting. He says it's not for him. Miss Lynn understands it's harsh they're betting, but tells him this job isn't easy no matter how everyone may be behaving. Truman asks if the director knows about this downstairs. Hadley interrupts saying the director doesn't care as long as everything goes smoothly upstairs, as long as the kids do as they're told. Truman says mm-hmm. the whole thing is fixed. How can you wager on it when you control the outcome? Hadley says they just put the kids in the cellar. 
and the kids take control from there. They have to make the choice of their own free will or else the system doesn't work. Like the harbinger, he wears a sign that says, you're gonna die. Why do we put him there? It's the system. They have to choose to ignore him, choose what happens in the cellar. We rig the game if we need to, but in the end, if they don't transgress, they can't be punished. So there is your discussion on choice and how much they're a part of this scenario and how much they're squeezing them down paths. And we can get into it later on of just why, like, why do you need to go through this whole thing? But, um, and I have a theory on that, but yeah, we're getting the, we're getting the discussion. Sean's like, Oh good. You have a theory on that. I love your theories. (laughs) I love the menu charlie and the chocolate fa- uh Willy yeah. Walker's chocolate factory theory that was great still have to do a side by side on that yeah uh they asked truman one more time if he wants to bet on how the kids are going to die angrily truman says no hadley puts out his hand and miss lynn puts a wad of money in it betting time is up citizen screams let's get this party started then we flash to thor kurt pouring beer screaming let's get this party started hmm. and then Kid- do you want to discuss the screen that they're writing all the the bets on now or later on uh well like the whiteboard yeah uh it's i mean i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna yeah yeah okay uh the kids put on their music they start dancing you see the guys in the control room also dancing everyone's having a great time the kids are playing truth or dare marty the stoner dares jules to make out with the moose hanging on the wall and points at the wolf head Mm-hmm. Uh, the kids all laugh they tell him it's not a moose it's a wolf she gets up she struts over to the wolf head hanging on the wall and makes out with it french kissing it licking it everything oh. uh, they continue and then the game. they uh they covered that wolf head uh in powdered sugar so it gave it like a dusty look but it also just you know Help, wasn't helped her work awful. the bit yeah <laughs> was it as awful for her to, for her to do and and Listen, these are, she is very much that horror movie trope at this point, but it helps it helps you understand it more when you know that she's not really that person and whatever they put in the hair dye and where they're pumping into that house is making her be that extreme version of that person. Uh, I think if they, if you didn't have all of that stuff in it, it would be like, well, what are these kids doing? They continue the game with Dana. She chooses dare. The second she says it, the cellar door pops open like evil dead, and they all jump. Mm-hmm. The wind must have blew it open. <laughs> what do you think is down there? Let's find out, they say. Idiots. They dare Dana to go downstairs. She he- She's hesitant, but she goes. With a flashlight, we see her looking at all the creepy things in the cellar. Picture of a girl. She sees a picture of a girl and screams. The crew mm-hmm. comes downstairs. They light this little lantern. They're all digging around in the cellar. Marty the stoner is alarmed and thinks they should not be down there. He wants to go back upstairs, but each one of the kids pick an object, a music box, a puzzle orb, a conch shell, an old book, old film strips, and an old necklace. Right. So we've got uh, Patient Buckner's Diary. Um that's the buck uh, attached to the Buckner family. We've got the conch shell that's attached to the merman. We've got the puzzle sphere, which is attached to 
The guy's name is uh, Fornicus, Fornicus, Lord of Bondage and Pain. He's essentially like Sawface instead of of Pinhead (laughs) from Hellraiser. And his his puzzle is round and not square. Mm -hmm. Um, There's the bride. We have the necklace atop the wedding dress as the bride. Uh, Music box is the Sugar Plum Fairy. There's a fortune teller machine, which is connected to the clowns. There's a unicorn tapestry. There's a unicorn tapestry which is connected to the unicorn, an amulet which is connected to the werewolf. Um, the film strip is uh, connected to this character called Kevin, who's not even in the movie, but he's. They go into it in the novelization a little bit. The whistle is connected to a killer robot, um, and then there's a Sasquatch reference in there too. Is Killer Robot the one with the saw blade arms and shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was yeah. that was pretty cool. Yeah, um, all the kids seem to be possessed in a trance, being drawn to their objects. Dana stops them all and begins reading from the old book, the Diary of Anna Patience Buckler Buckner, nineteen o three. She describes Mama screaming through the night. She only stopped when Papa cut her belly open and stuffed coals in. She wants to understand the glory of pain, but cutting flesh gives a husband's bulge. Mm. Marty the stoner has heard enough. Kurt insists she read on, so she continues. She knows the way of saving her family, but her arm is hacked up. I pray a believer will come and speak to this to uh, speak this to our spirits. Then we will be restored, and the great pain will return. And then there's something in Latin. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Never read it. Marty the, Marty the Stoner knows what's going on. He's seen these movies before. Mm-hmm. He says he's uh, drawing the line in the sand here. Do not read the Latin. And then a, a voice whispers in the background, read it. Read it out loud. Yeah. Marty freaks out, but Kurt tells him, stop being a baby. Dana goes, it doesn't even mean anything and begins reading the Latin. It always means something damn it also uh, every one of these episodes i struggle with people's names actors names and, and she just blows right through this everyone's uh, good at latin apparently yeah yeah that's so funny yeah <laughs> i did have different names for every kid and then i went back and revised everybody's name so i was addressing them by name because there's a lot of characters in this movie and sometimes it's hard to keep track of names and everybody yeah, but they, they, everyone's a Latin expert in this. Yeah, one. yeah. Well, I used to study in 10th grade. Yeah, 10th grade. Who studies Latin in 10th grade? You went to a better school than I did. I failed Spanish for four years in a row. <laughs> poquito. I do a little poquito Espanol. Oh, there it is. She says something in Latin and then out of the ground rise zombies. Mm-hmm. Back in the control room, they proudly announce it's the Buckners. Congrats to maintenance on winning in the betting pool. Right. And they're not just zombies. So another girl is mad because she picked zombies. And then she is informed they aren't just any zombies. These are zombie redneck torture family zombies. Right. Entirely different species. Like an (laughs) elephant and an elephant seal. And honestly, I don't know what an elephant seal is. Is that just a seal? (laughs) <laughs> I think it's a type of seal, but then we get to this board, the big board that they have. Super exciting. So we've got uh finance bet on the werewolf, biomed bet on the alien beast, 
Demolition took the mutants. Nobody took the wraiths. Is it wraiths? Yeah. Uh, zombies. The chem department took the zombies. Reptilis. Nobody took it. Clowns. Electric took it. Operation took witches. I love archives took sexy witches. <laughs> <laughs> so there's two. Cool. Uh, like every costume, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, nobody took demons. Uh, Citizen took Hell Lord. Um, Wrangle took, and the and I guess that would just be you know an individual's name took Angry Molesting Tree. <laughs> okay, that's probably from Evil Dead. I would I would guess. Yeah, I would think so. Internal Logistics took the giant snake, who we see uh, later on. Story to de- Story Department took the Deadites. Uh, nobody took Kevin. Uh, psychologist took the mummy. Interesting that I have a psychologist there. I guess she was there or he or she, whoever it is. Uh, for some reason, I thought it was the girl, but I was wrong when I watched it again. But um, took the mummy. Um, digital analysis took the bride. Um, DNA archives took the scarecrow folk. Communications took the snowman. Get a snowman. I don't Jack Frost. You ever see Jack Frost, the horror movie? Yeah. Terrible terrible movie. Yeah. We're not doing that movie. (laughs) Sorry. I'm drawing the line. Um, There's a dragon bat that nobody took. Distribution took vampires. Uh, Nobody took dismemberment goblins or sugar plum fairy. Hadley took the merman um administration took the reanimated which i I reanimated and i guess that would mean somebody else brought it back to life as opposed to a zombie it's still a tight kind of type of zombie um engineering took the unicorn r&d took the huron uh nobody took sasquatch wendigo yeti uh kitchen staff took the dolls which i assuming the dolls are the we see him get off the elevator with the masks on uh-huh. later on. Accounting took the doctor's maintenance and Ronald the intern uh, took zombie redneck torture family. Yeah. yeah. I'm an intern. Yeah. Yeah. Security took a jack-o'-lantern. Zoology uh, took the a giant um, and nobody took the twins which I think is probably kind of like a shining reference. That's, <laughs> that's our, that's our monster board. Uh, Truman, the security guard is looking at the screen. He says, it looks like a nightmare. Miss Lynn tells him, no, there's something nightmares are from everything in our stable is remnant of the old world courtesy of, and then she points down, you know, who mm. Truman is puzzled by all the monsters and magic and gods. And Miss Lynn tells him you get used to it. But he doesn't want to. Hadley's standing around. He's pouting. He's very upset. Citizen goes up to him. He apologizes. Hadley is mad because Kurt had the conch shell in his hand. And the fate they could have faced would have brought him the merman. Hmm. Uh, Citizen tells him, be thankful because they're terrifying and the cleanup is a nightmare. Yeah. They stare at the screen. They see they have conjured the Buckners. We have a 100% clearance rate, which I'm guessing means that that guarantees they kill all of their victims. Yeah, I would think so. And and the Buckners um, are based off of real characters in history. Um, 
there was a, a family of serial killers called the Bloody Benders, uh, and they own an inn and a small general store in Can- in Kansas. Um, and they murdered uh, a bunch of uh, travelers between 1871 and 1873. Um, and they estimate that they killed about a dozen travelers um, and maybe uh, 20 before they were even discovered. So they killed a dozen and then maybe an additional 20 that they never knew about. Um, so it's interesting, besides kind of the undead paranormal part of it, it's loosely based off of this uh, serial killer family, which, which I assume without doing any extra digging probably gives Texas Chainsaw Massacre its inspiration as well. Ed Gein style. Yeah, with a mix of Ed Gein, but yeah. Hadley wants to call Japan, tell him to take the weekend off. Uh, he wants to see Japan fall on their ass for once. We see a small screen of Kyoto, Japan. Kyoto, Japan. Sorry, I'm mm-hmm. fucking that up probably. A possessed girl is floating in her classroom and all the kids are freaking the hell out. Citizen says, every other branch airballed. We need the Japanese crew to get it done. There's too much riding on this. So this <laughs> is where I'm a little confused. Are they counting on the beast to, they have conjured to kill everybody or the people to overcome the beast they have conjured? No, this they got it. They've got a, the Buckner family's got a, got a wipe them out to keep, Remain to keep it going victorious. right that's so we we get that screen obviously japan is clearly a reference to the ring mm-hmm. right and we see some other screens in this now and we see them later on as well and i'll go through them quickly for you um the clip of the stockholm branch uh is actually the ending of uh dante's peak a movie that came out in 1997 <laughs> okay. all right uh the <laughs> You'll love this one. The Rangoon branch is footage from Rowan Emmerich's Godzilla. Get out of here. Yeah. I didn't even pick up on that. Uh, The Berlin branch uh, with the burning kind of church or that building is from the Wicker Man. Um, And then there's a clip of uh, Buenos Aires, which is the ending clip from 2005's King Kong, that version. So we are not only directly nodding to different films now we're even showing clips of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, back inside the cabin in the woods Jules is dancing in front of the fireplace everyone is watching her stunned Marty the stoner says he has a theory about all of this Kurt decides it's time to bail because Tommy Chong over here has a theory hmm. you can tell it to Egghead over here and points to his friend Holden while he's trying to de-virginize Dana and basically embarrasses everyone. Kurt and Jules leave the cabin. Dana gets herself a beer from the keg. Marty asks, you seriously believe nothing weird is going on? Why is Jules suddenly a celebutard? Since when does Kurt pull this alpha male bullshit? He's a sociology major. He's on full academic scholarship. Now he's calling his friend an egghead? Mm-hmm. And I think she's pre-med, I think. Dana goes, Dude. maybe it's your weed. Hmm. What a square this bitch is. <laughs> Marty tells her, you're not seeing what you don't want to see. And then he goes, puppeteers. Dana repeats him, but then he goes, Pop-Tarts? Did you say you have Pop-Tarts? Mm. She tells him he's high and walks away. Marty says to himself, we are not who we are. Mm. Then decides to go read a book with pictures. 
Yeah, so uh, there's a quote by this author, Michael Greco, who says, we are not who we think we are. We are not who they think we are. We are who we think we are. Who We are who we think they think we are. Did you get that, Sean? I'm going to read no, it again. No, no. Come on, let's do it one more time. Yeah. We are not who they think we are. Yeah. We are not who they think we are. We are who we think they think we are. Yeah, wrap it, wrap it all together. Me. Yep, wrap it, wrap it all together. I mean, Marty is is cluing into a, a lot of things here. Um, yeah, Marty, Marty gets it, and I think he's <laughs> he's tapping in and out of things. He's he's having moments where it really means something to him, and then it disappears. And we find out what's holding off all the chemicals that they're coming at him later on. We cut to Dane and hold it on the couch, reading the old book. The pain outlives the flesh. He's translating the Latin. Yeah, no good. Dana is shocked he can read Latin. He hasn't since the 10th grade. They flirt a little bit. Cut to Kurt and Jules running through the woods, making out. Kurt wants to get it on. Jules says no. Kurt says we're all alone. Cut to the entire control room watching them about to get it on. Mm -hmm. Then she says she's chilling and walks away and the whole control room goes, ah. <laughs> the guys kick them all out of the room so they can adjust the temperature settings. Mm -hmm. they, they crank up the heat and engage pheromone mists. Right. So pheromones. I give you the exact definition of their their naturally occurring substances um, served as chemical messengers in animals. They can trigger behavioral response in species secreted via sweat. It includes uh, processes like sexual attraction, mate selection, danger, and signaling. There's other things too. You see a light smoke come out of the ground. Jules walks through it, stops, turns around, and gets super horny. Mm -hmm. They start making out, and she says, "It's so dark. Take me in. Yeah, it's so dark. Take me inside." Kurt says, "But this is romantic." In the control room, we see them raise a knob, and in the woods shines a light in a good spot for the kids to get it on, as they do. <laughs> The kids are sitting in the control panel. Uh, the guys are sitting in the control panel waiting to see some boobies. Truman, the security guy, walks over to them and asks if it really matters if we see her, you know. Hadley cuts him off and says, we're not the only ones watching. We got to keep the customer satisfied. You do understand what's at stake here. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem that Truman does know. So again, I'm a little confused. They're in this reality. So so every horror movie mm -hmm. is actually real life kids, right? That live out these scenarios that this room is in control of. No, I don't think so. I think that that's not what's happening here. No, so I think so like they're having so me and you watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre in our world is a movie, but in their world is actually people in Texas getting chainsaw massacred. No, I, I think it's 
they mentioned later on that it's changed through time and I, I, I can get into it, but I, I think the ancient ones are, are messing with them in a lot of ways. And they're just saying, okay, this is what you like. This is what your society's about. You know, you've got to do these tropes and we're going to manifest these characters that are reminiscent of characters from your film, from your art. And we're going to use them against you i don't think like you know Sawface is based off a Sawface movie that happened and lo and behold he actually exists as a character in real life like i don't think that's the case at all these are not you know reality films that are now horror horror movies i think they're using the tropes of horror to push humans buttons and make them do what they want to do make them dance like puppets them see that's where i got confused because i felt like what they were doing was actually a horror movie but it was actually a reality horror movie Mm -hmm. Um, i think it's kind of like uh you know people from other countries are like oh you're american you know you wear or they used to be like oh you wear blue jeans and you got a cowboy hat and you whatever i think it's these ancient ones who obviously can exist in different ways that we can and for a longer span of time and if they're based off the great old ones in lovecraft then our time that we're alive is so small and minuscule compared to them that they're just pandering to us by making us jump through all these hoops and i think there are horror movies that exist in this i think these guys go home from work and punch out um and do whatever they have to do in their lives knowing full well that they're on the brink of it's like working in a nuclear power plant or working at the front line always on the brink of the world sort of ending it's kind of like they're these two (laughs) You know, they're like the uh, sheepdog and wily coyote that just like punch out and then he tries to get the sheep the entire time and they fight, he beats them up and they fight. And at the end of the day, they just punch out and go and go back home. Uh, I don't think um, I, I think horror movies exist. I think they're just doing takes off of it to make people to make humans satisfy them by jump. And I and I think there's some clues to that later on because it really starts to go awry but i think they enjoy this whole process that they're making the humans do uh, if you're listening along uh, what the fuck did you think is happening right now uh, let us yeah. know on the socials at in madness pod uh the kids get it on jules rips her top off boobs hadley goes score <laughs> citizen adjusts some knobs music picks up getting very tense jules pulls out her hand and slap Big knife plunges into her hand. Hmm. She be- she begins screaming bloody murder. It's a Buckner zombie. Another one comes out of the woods and Kurt tackles it. He goes to check Jules, but then gets stabbed in the neck with the Buckner knife. He pulls it out. Up walks Papa Buckner, who reveals his cool weapon, a bear trap attached to a chain, like Scorpion's harpoon in Mortal Kombat. Kurt runs and Papa Buck slams him in the head with his device. Jules runs up to help him, but Papa Buck throws his device at her and the bear trap clamps to her back. She begins screaming. He's pulling her towards him. He rips the trap off her back, picks her up. Another Buckner kid picks up Kurt. 
family begins surrounding Jules. They show her their long, rusty saw. This is a big motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Like a saw you cut down a tree with. Yeah, I think I think that's probably what it is. Yeah. The kids scream and chop blood everywhere. She's dead. Mm-hmm. Cut back to the control room. The guys seem sad. Sinderson yeah. says, we offer this in humility and fear for the blessed peace, for the blessed peace of your eternal slumber as it ever was. And Hadley repeats, as it ever was. Right. And then he has like a a little symbol necklace that he kisses. Um, and that's sort of just, I think they're, they're processed to, to the ancient ones. So they are sacrificing these kids for the ancient ones. Mm-hmm. Hadley walks over to a little cubby with a lever inside of it, pulls the lever, gears begin turning, a hammer device breaks open this other device, which begins pouring blood onto a plate thing and out of a fountain into this engraving inside of a stone, and blood begins filling the engraved part. So they are feeding the blood of these kids to this thing in order to keep it at bay. I guess I think it's more just... A sacrifice. Like, I don't think it's that it needs to to drink this blood or eat them or anything. I think it's just r- like ritual sacrifice. Like they mentioned later on, like throwing somebody into a volcano to appease the gods. It's not like the gods are like throwing them in the volcano so I can put them in a bun and eat them with some bacon and cheese. I mean, maybe they're like you and they like their steak well done. Oh, geez. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Here it is. I do. Birdbrain puts a stake inside yeah. the volcano. And that, my friends, is my no, milking no, of the no, package. No. <laughs> I do. And my my theory on that is, and anyone listening to this is like, of course he has a theory no, on that. Tell him what you told me. Right? My my theory is that they're always they're never no no chef's gonna ever want to cook it well done. No, no, I've been to nice steak restaurants. I get the dirtiest looks ever. They're not going to do it. So then it's going to come out and it's going to be medium rare and I'm going to be fine. See, it's just like a pizza place, Sean. It, when you go to a pizza place the first time, you order a plain slice. That's it. Don't go crazy. Don't get some <laughs> salad slice and everything. Because if they cannot get a plain slice correct. Done. There's no reason to eat anything else from that. Throw them in the volcano. Yeah, they go. They get sacrificed, and we pour the sauce down the little. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. That's the tomato sauce. Yeah, but I, I think this is just again. This is just sacrifice. This is just to appease, appease the ancient ones. They're just they they can come back anytime they want. They can take over anytime they want. They just like messing with a lower species than them. Cut back to our cabin in the woods. Marty the stoner is reading Little Nemo in bed, smoking a bowl. And a woman's voice whispers, I'm going to go for a walk. Mm. Freaked out, Marty's like, I swear to God, I can hear someone talking. And then feels like an idiot. And is like, and I'm that, pretty sure someone is talking. The first time I saw this, I didn't I didn't catch the voices. It was the no. second or third time I, I did. I caught them. Uh, I, I, and that's not a surprise because I'm just staring at a bunch of other random stuff. Um, and then I was caught off guard by the little Nemo thing, which is, um, that was like a weekly strip, uh, that this cartoonist did, um, is Windsor McKay. And it, 
it showed like Nemo had these like amazing, fantastical dreams um, that were always interrupted, and he would he would awake from them in the final panel of this strip. So that book is placed there for a reason, um, because we're in not dreams right now; we're in nightmares. And Marty is the only one who's awake from this nightmare in a lot of ways. So I think that's definitely there for a reason. Again, a woman's voice whispers, I'm going to go for a walk. And Marty Mm. jumps out of bed, freaked out. He's like, enough. What are you saying? What do you want? You think I'm a (laughs) puppet? You think I'm going to do your fucking puppet dance? And then he does a wacky little puppet dance. Mm. He's like, I'm the boss of my own brain. I'm going to go for a walk. (laughs) We cut to Dana and Holden making out. She stops him. She's not ready. Marty walks past and goes, he's got a husband's bulge, (laughs) which finally now I understand means boner. (laughs) Marty walks outside. He looks up at the sky. It's empty. I thought there'd be stars. Yeah, no stars. They're inside the grid. He whispers to himself, we are abandoned. He's taking a leak. Out of the dark behind him, creeps out a Buckner zombie into the light, then back into the dark. Marty turns around alarmed, but he sees nothing. He continues taking a leak, and we see the Buckner girl still creeping up on him in the background. Mm. Marty zips up his pants, and you're just sitting there waiting for him to get axed by the Buckner. But then... You'll find out what happens next week oh. <laughs> on another amazing episode of oh. In Madness Pod, episode 18, part two, Cabin in the Woods. Here we are, folks. There's a lot. We packed a lot into that for part one, and we got a lot to go still. Yes. Uh, a lot I, of questions. Again, I just found this move. I just, I want, why would I want another Evil Dead like, why wouldn't I want Cabin in the Woods to be this funny horror movie? It's just, it even now, it just doesn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. Like, I want, I knew Shaun of the Dead was going to be Shaun of the Dead. I thought Cabin in the Woods was going to be, like, Evil Dead. And, like, I don't know, I did not get, I was like, I want, I want, I want mint chocolate chip ice cream. Mm. And you put creamed corn in front of my face. And I'm like, but... I want I want mint chocolate chip ice cream. This is creamed corn, and I I I, I think, yeah, I think that's, in the woods is creamed corn. <laughs> I think that's an unfair assessment. I would say that it's you wanted mint chocolate chip, and they gave you Rocky Road, and it's I guess this this movie has a lot going on. There's a lot of statements that they're making about society and um, how we view violence and how we relate to each other and how we worship and what we do to worship and whether we have free choice or not there's 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 a lot to unpack in this movie this this movie is full of a ton of gnarly bits maybe that's what it is too many gnarly bits i just wanted a stupid ass horror movie i don't want to think too goddamn much and i'm like oh man this is this is a lot but I don't know. Like, will I rewatch? I don't know. We'll talk about it in the next episode. We still got part two to go and a point five. And then we got a very special episode. We got a lot going on. We got a lot of things planned. Uh, we've gone over our hour markers. So let's uh, we're going to we're going to kick it for 
episode 18 wrapping up part one cabin in the woods we will see you in exactly one week from now unless you're listening the day before the next episode comes out in which case we'll see you very soon for uh episode 18 part two of in madness pod cabin in the woods vertebrae thank you very much it was a goddamn pleasure